God the Father sent his son Jesus, and the Lord Jesus dispatched the Holy Spirit. He's the, he's the promise of the Father. And uh, it's a tremendous resource uh, that we have. He, in fact, is a tremendous resource. And it says in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit is going to do tonight. So I want to delve into this a little bit because we need to be stirred up by way of reminder. It's easy to be negative, so we need to go back into the Word and be reminded. The Amplified Bible translates this word paraclete as a comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, and a standby. The Holy Spirit was dispatched by the Father to be another helper, another comforter, someone called alongside to help us and assist us in our Christian lives. And uh, I enjoy help from the Holy Spirit. Uh, he says we would be endued with power from on high. I've noticed he gives power to the faint. And a uh, beautiful Reinhard Bonnke wrote uh, a book recently about the Holy Spirit. He said, our weaknesses do not repel God, they attract him. Let me say that again. Our weaknesses do not repel God, they attract him. We may be hopeless, but the spirit of God's gift is specifically for the weak, to make up for our feebleness. If you remember Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Wow. Power to the faint. Hebrews 11 says one of the attributes of the, our lineage, our heritage of, of people that have gone before us is out of weakness they were made strong. And I, I think Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says that he helps us with our infirmities. He helps us with our weaknesses because we don't know how to pray as we should or as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us. Who in here has had help from the Holy Spirit? And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. And I want to just get this, you know, I think a lot about pastoring this church, and I think a lot about my mission to reach the world and win a billion souls. But this and all these truths boil down to the micro level of every aspect of our lives, your motherhood, your fatherhood, your singleness, your widowedness, your finances, your career decisions, your education, uh, your decision-making, every area with relationships, every and all areas of human life, the Holy Spirit has it covered. And I think you need to know, and I, I'm going to have to ask for an amen on the behalf of Reinhardt because this is a profound statement. Our weaknesses do not repel God, they attract him. Wow. You know, most people subsidize a good thing, like they see Apple and they see they're going to come out with the Apple 1250, whatever the new phone is, you know, that they've been hiding and that they've had there and, you know, they're getting ready to release it and we know the stock's going to go up. I remember in school, I had teachers that actually did pick favorites. There'd be three or four that really emerged as amazing intellectual aptitude and academic levels, you know. And I watched the teacher sort of grade eight the class and kind of focus on the two or three teachers' pets, as they call them. But I also remember teachers that, in addition to supporting the really 
proficient students, they also help the intermediate and the struggling ones. And to me, that models a better uh, example of the Holy Spirit, our teacher, who not only helps people that are doing great, but he also helps us in our weaknesses. He gives power to the faint. Boy, how many times have you found God helping you out when you didn't have the... I remember one time I was sitting in the front row of a meeting so many years ago, and Patsy nudged me, and she said, be bold. Nudge somebody next to you and say, be bold. I'm sold on being bold. And uh, God gives us strength by his spirit. In fact, Ephesians uh, chapter 3, we pray that we be strengthened with power by his spirit in the inner man. So I, I love this. The Holy Spirit actually yearns to embrace our humanity. The Bible says he'd be poured out on all flesh. Can you imagine that? That God, who is perfect, lets us be part of this big purpose that he has, this big important agenda. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, it says that some were doubting, some were doubtful, and Jesus came up and spoke to them. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He said, I'm with you always, even at the ends of the age. Preach the gospel to them, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I think about at the end of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus lateraled the ball to a group of unsteady, apprehensive, doubt-filled disciples. Imagine God knowing our weakness, yet he's still willing to include us into his big, important agenda. He knew that the power of the Holy Spirit, with him, we could do it. We could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Peter said he, he's given us everything pertaining. This is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. He's given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Can you imagine that? Everything pertaining to life. And I thought about this too. Life, to me, all I know of life right now is my temporal human experience. And godliness, to me, implies the bigger, longer range eternal life. That's at least how I've interpreted that verse. You can, you know, maybe have a different perspective on it. But to me, it means this life and the life to come. It's like it expands on he's given us everything pertaining to the mechanics of this human existence and the spiritual aspects of our walking in faith and walking in the glory of God and walking in strength. And he's given it to us. It's available to us. Like when we were singing, all your promises are yes and amen. I very much want the culture of this church to be on top of the provisions of God, constantly aware of who we are in Christ, what we have because of Christ, who he is in us, how great he is. He's not weak toward us. He's mighty in us. And I want to really look at the Holy Spirit, and he needs no exaggeration. He needs no embellishment. He's mysterious. The world has not, doesn't know him, can't receive him. We've received the spirit not of the world, but the spirit that comes from God so that in order that we might know the things freely given to us by God. And God wants us to be in the know. And I, I just think about Lyric. I see Taylor and Megan, I see Lyric, and I see all the potential. And I just very much want these little creatures that God's blessed us with to pick this up early. I'm a first-generation Christian in my household, and so I've had to learn a lot of things firsthand the hard way. But, you know, the template that I want to lateral to my kids, I, I want it to be so, I want them to build their floor on my ceiling. Don't you want to push, spend all your time pushing the people above you up and lifting all the people below you up so they'll, hopefully they'll push you up and the people above you will pull you up? 
I pray that, I pray that, I pray you get a revelation of this, that God is actually pulling for us. I want you to say three phrases. Say from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. I feel like when Paul told Timothy to be absorbed and ponder the things God had put in his life, not to neglect the spiritual gift in him, he said, in order that, so that your progress would be evident to all. And I believe God has designed us for a progressive journey. And I bought into this when I was a young person. I believe that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter to the full day. Everybody say brighter and brighter. Say from faith to faith. Say from glory to glory. Say from strength to strength. First of all, faith to faith. You know, I want you to go to Romans, the first chapter in the 17th verse. Paul the Apostle said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm eager to preach to you, Romans. For the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm believing God for many souls, many hearts to turn to Jesus, either backsliders to return to the Lord or people that have been nominal and hesitant. Aren't you glad that the Bible shows that Jesus, when he was giving the Great Commission, didn't discriminate, that there were doubters there, and he said, come on, you guys, signs and wonders are going to follow you. Isn't that amazing? God's not repelled by our weaknesses. He's attracted to them. Let the weak say, I am strong, strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Our, our message is not self-actualization hype. Our message is a Savior came and came to save helpless people, came to seek and save that which is lost. This is good. So Paul is enthusiastic about it, and he's busting into the Roman world. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say, I am not ashamed. For it's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God, the good news message of Jesus to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's power that works toward believers, it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Belief, our beliefs are a prayer, are a magnet of God's power. We go into a situation Praying, believing prayers, believing and expecting for great things to happen. We get results. Verse 17 says, for in, for in the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What an interesting phrase. Say it. From faith to faith. Say it again. From faith. Where are you coming from? I'm coming from faith. Where are you going? To faith. For as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans 4, 3, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What is faith? The Greek word pistis, it means persuasion, credence, reliance upon Jesus for salvation, assurance, assurance, blessed assurance. What is faith? Well, somebody would say Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substantial. Everything we see that has happened good in any of our lives is a result of God's faithfulness. What does Romans chapter 10, verse 17 say? Faith comes. It comes by hearing the word. And I'll tell you, it's easy to forget things. We're not to be forgetful hearers, but we're to be effectual doers. And I think it's so important 
it's easy to forget even simple essentials. That's why God has designed us to keep going over it again and again and again. You know, as I was preaching John 3.16 at the uh, altar call, I was fascinated by the, the elegance of that statement. For God so loved the world. There's so much in that. That's such a, it's so filled with, it would be like a country having a drought for three years and then rain finally coming. It'd be like the economy being in a depression for five or 10 years and then there's a release. You know, us just, that he gave his only begotten son. Wow. That whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I feel impressed to tell you there's some people here, you're, you're a marketplace Christian, you're out there in the workforce, you're working in the, with the lost, and uh, don't be ashamed of the gospel because therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. If you want to know where you're coming from, you're coming from faith. You, God gave you a mustard seed of faith when he, he spoke the word to you. I heard the word when I was a young person and the lights went on. By the grace of God, God granted me repentance. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit that convicted me of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And for that, I'm so grateful. He's at work on our generation. Be assured of that. He's at work. Where are you coming from, faith? Where are you headed to, faith? What pleases God? Faith, without it, it's impossible to please God. With it, it's possible to please God. And I think about, and we don't have time to go into it, but Romans chapter 4, verse 20, Abraham, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. I like the idea of ever-increasing faith, of growing in faith. And... Uh, it won't elude you. As, I mean, even now, we're, we're getting in the word and faith, even during the praise and worship. I sense the faith level go up, just like when I go to the gas station and I watch the needle on my tank go up. Don't you appreciate that? It's nice to see that. We don't have the physical, tangible reinforcement for that. We don't have it attached to our central nervous system. But we can actually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's really what I pray you'll get tonight, is that... You'll go from faith to faith. You'll be, you'll be supernaturally enriched, uh, and you'll not waver in unbelief, but you'll grow strong in faith. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We go from glory to glory. God's glory is not to be ignored or underestimated. The glory of God needs to, this world deserves to see some of the glory of God. And what's really amazing to me is that it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image, look at this, from glory to glory. So ever-increasing faith, ever-increasing glory. Where are we coming from? Glory, where, we're headed, where are we headed? To glory, where are we going? From glory to glory. I like this. We're not coming from depletion to depletion. We're not coming from dismal to dismal. We're not coming from awkward to awkward. We're coming from faith to faith, from glory to glory. God is glorious. The descriptions of God in the Bible describe him as his hair is like white wool, his eyes are like fire. You know, he's glowing. He's there. When he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
his surface, the, the King James says, no fuller on earth could white them, that no bleach could make it any brighter. No, no, when Moses came off of the mountain and with, the, with the law, they had to cover him with a curtain because he was glowing. And yet, you know, with God's glory, and, you know, and I remember when we, the last time we were in Israel, the, there was a woman at the Temple Mount. She was awesome. Jewish lady describing the glory of God when the priest offered up a sacrifice. And you would think she was a Pentecostal Christian. She got into a place of describing the glory of God. Tears came in her eyes. She was not faking emotion. She was an observant Jew, and she was very reverent and respectful of that covenant that God had given her people. The Bible says that Jesus has brought in a new covenant, inaugurated or enacted on better promises. This is from glory to glory. It's from faith to faith. We are, we are in, a, in a very significant moment. In fact, the mystery that's been hidden from all the ages is now revealed. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When the Bible says when we die, the description of a Christian's death is to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And Peter said it was like laying this earthly tent. It was like a tent. He described it as a tent. And he said the laying of it aside is imminent. When you think about it that way, and then you think about how the mystery which has been hidden from the ages, but has now been revealed to us, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. One translation says the promise of our future glorification. We're going to get glorified bodies. In fact, listen to this. The people that are in the, in the realm of the Spirit that have gone before us, they're looking forward to some, some things because they don't have a glorified body yet. It's fascinating to me. If you study this, they're, still, they're looking forward probably more so than we are. We're all caught up in the dailies of life and how, how we might please our mates and paying our bills and juggling all the responsibilities we have, things pertaining to this life. They're looking forward to Jesus when he gets dispatched. He's coming back. No one knows the hour of the day. So when you YouTube or Google it and they know the hour of the day, they don't know the hour of the day. So far, every one of them has been dead wrong. But I'll tell you, the Bible is true. Jesus is deaf. I will tell you this. Jesus is definitely coming back. And he's coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. And, and in fact, it's not up to us to get all dilly-dallying with the epochs and the seasons. I mean, we just, there are prophetic things that are happening right now, even as I speak, that are being fulfilled. Things that were foretold by those Hebrew prophets and by the New Testament believers looking forward to. But you know what really we need to see and delve most into is our preoccupation ought to be with what Jesus has done for us on the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus that cancels out sin, the possibility for people to be saved, and the amazing provision of the Holy Spirit. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We went out witnessing one time, and a guy mocked us at a, at a bowling alley. He was a little bit drunk, and he was making fun of us. And I got kind of irritated by it. And I walked up to him, and I don't know if it, I, it was so much human irritation or kind of righteous indignation. I, I didn't get aggressive with him, but I said, hey, listen, man. I'll tell you what, you and I are going to run into each other in a place, a part of town that, you, that you and neither you nor I frequent, but we're going to cross paths again, 
And as, when you see me and I see you, you're going to know there is a God and I'm, you're going to need to get saved. It's like, get out of here, man. I don't want to hear it. So we, got, we went to a little grocery store and I walked up and I said, hey, Patsy. And there was a man standing there, a young man. I said, Patsy, witness to this guy and I'm going to go get a cart and I'm going to come back. And so I set Patsy up. You know, she does that to me. I do that to her. So she's on, you know. And uh, like I just asked her to pray. And she starts praying. I, what does she pray for our, our Christmas, our relationships, any dysfunction? I mean, we have prayer meetings with Patsy, like, okay, we're almost done. And then she's praying for somebody's broken leg. She's praying for Aunt Minerva. She's praying for the neighbor down the street. So I say, hey, Patsy, we're going to go shopping. And she, I hey, witness to that guy. So I, I got the cart, and I came back in. The guy was pale. He was ashen in the face. And he was, it was just a few days later, four days later. And I walked up to him, and I, so I rolled up my sleeve, and I'm getting ready to witness to him. And I looked at him, and, and I went, hey, I thought, this is the drunk guy from the bowling alley. So I tried not to do this I told you so thing, but I've got goosebumps right now thinking about how the Lord gave a word of knowledge to me, even when he was being dismissive, you know, and, and ignoring what I was saying. And God was trying to reach into his lost soul and loved him so deeply that he arranged our path to cross path, and, and he foretold it and set it up. And the guy was just, he could not, it was not nearly as contentious. He wasn't, he was very receptive. He was very humble. It was deep. And I prayed with him and prayed for him. And I, and I didn't do an I told you so thing and lay a heavy trip on him. You know, I don't, I'm not a hellfire type of, of a person. And you don't need to be. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts and convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We announce peace and we proclaim news of happiness. We're called to be preachers of good news. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And where do you reprove, rebuke, exhort, and give warning? But I'm telling you, the lion's share of that is done by the Holy Spirit. We're not to frighten people. We don't scare people. Uh, we don't use scare tactics. We call people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And then when we look in the mirror of the word of God, we're transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I, I always want our church to be a liberty, a liberated zone where chains fall off of people, where people get set free from sentiment and depression and sickness lifts off of people. I was encouraged by when we got back from the stimulus of being in that amazing outreach of Reinhardt's farewell to Africa, we were so stirred by the emphasis on the gospel with signs and wonders following. Over half a million people singing praises to God in other tongues is really pretty amazing, and I think a foretaste of what heaven is going to feel like. And even though there'll be no there'll need for tongues or anything like that in heaven, there will be worship and praise, and it's going to be loud and large. And hopefully... I get to be around, I get to be in the Nigerian segment of heaven because it was already like heaven on earth when we were there. So, so strong, so fervent from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And I think about this too. There's a glory in the revelation of knowing who we are in Christ and the fact that Jesus lives on the inside of us. And uh, it says that when we look in the mirror of the word, we are transformed. Everybody say transformed. I remember when Taylor was a kid, Transformers came out. And he got some cool transformers. My favorite one was a cassette tape that turned into a robot. Remember that one? And uh, what were some of the other ones? 
You had a semi-truck and it turned into a robot. That was an awesome one because, yeah, I like that one. There were a lot of really cool transformers. But, you know, there's, there's no greater transformation than when a person becomes a new creature in Christ. And uh, this, is, this is mysterious, but it happens. He said, old things pass away and all things become new. And that's really what I wanted that guy to know at the bowling alley when we were witnessing. And then at the grocery store when we ran into him four days later. But think how much more. And I just very much want you to have a sensitivity to this because God is looking for people that he could use. And I love it that in the end of Matthew, there were people that were doubtful. And God says, Jesus looks right past it and says, hey, man, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Go out and preach the gospel. Are you into that? God is not repelled by our weaknesses. In fact, he's attracted to them. That doesn't mean we get sloppy and act weak. It just means it is what it is. We are what we are. Like Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace has not proved vain. And when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he means it because Jesus goes on the inside of us and makes us brand new. You're a new creature. You're a carrier of the presence of God. And you're going from glory to glory. Wow. But there's a real glory right now, the riches of the glory of this mystery to the Gentiles, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. When I saw the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I saw those scenes where they were playing around with the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim on it and how they had, whoever the people were, you know, did research in the Old Testament and they, they made it like... Uh, what was that guy's name, the, the guy, the Bezalel? Did you guys know that Bezalel was anointed under Moses to build all sorts of things, including creating the anointing oil and everything? You got to read about Bezalel. It, it, I pray that gets on you in your work, gets on you in your field of enterprise and whatever you do, that, that, that occasions upon you and, and supernatural and phenomenal exploits are achieved through you. I believe God wants to answer some prayers and rout some evil. And, and, and you know, when I share this story about the guy at the bowling alley and then at the, at the grocery store, it's not by design to brag about some sort of exploit. It's to put you guys in touch with the possibilities of going from faith to faith and from glory to glory and to stimulate. Listen, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. These signs will follow those who believe. We go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory, and we go from strength to strength. Let me finish with this. Let's go, let's go to this last point. Ephesians 3.16 is one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. I ask prayer groups to pray this for our church constantly. Ephesians 3.16 is so inspiring to me. Look at the framework of this prayer. Look at the essence of it. We go from strength to strength. It says... Uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Strengthened with power through his spirit. Who is his spirit? That's the Holy Spirit. Let's analyze this. I pray you would be strengthened. Everybody say strengthened. What is that? That's fortified. I take vitamin C to bolster my immune system. I try to eat dark green vegetables because Dr. Oz told me to. You know, I, I tried to do some push-ups to offset the, the bowl, the battle of the bulge, you know, that kind of a thing, and keep some strength. I, I know that if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So Paul's praying that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit and the inner man. And then, listen, 
Psalm 84, 5 through 7. Everybody say, from strength to strength. From the, because of the Holy Spirit, we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength. And uh, here's what it says in Psalm 84, 5 through 7. Psalm 84, 5 through 7. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you. How blessed is the man whose strength. I want you to look at that. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you. How blessed. How blessed. What array of blessings await you as you walk out these doors tonight? What measure of abundance is about to be poured out on you in the next steps of your obedience? I have faith for it. I have ever-increasing faith for it. Abraham believed that God called into being that which did not exist. Abraham lavishes upon us a testimony that even though he considered his body as good as dead in the deadness of Sarah's womb, he was realistic. He saw the facts, but he saw the faith-building fact that God had called him to be a father of many nations. So in spite of it all, in hope against hope, he believed. And he didn't grow weak in faith. He grew strong in faith. He went from faith to faith, glory to glory, and strength to strength. And you and I can too. I pray this strengthens your awareness. Uh, you know, we look in a mirror and we're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Wow. It reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going back to my second point. Be not conformed to this world. There's so much conformity. There's so, there's so much cloning. I remember a song back in the 80s, cloneliness is next to godliness, right? That's what cults are so, they clone. It's uniformity. It's bizarre. I see that cultic thing, and it gets on people, and everybody drabs down and looks the same, and that's what the devil tries to diminish. But man, in the church... We're a body, and the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, and it's the proper working of each individual part. And there's such diversity, such freshness, such amazing individuality. Come on, man. Wow. Woo! And to the degree that we're faithful in this, and as we don't conform to this world, we get transformed by the renewing of our minds. We may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we see here in Psalm 84, Verse 5, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Remember, God's not repelled by our weakness. He's attracted to it. Let the weak say, I am strong. I have noticed when God has called me to do things way out of my experience, way out of my comfort zone, stuff that I never expected I'd have to be responsible for, there is this a wonderful presence of God's help that is available to us as believers. Dare we believe it. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways of Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessing. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Zion symbolizes the church. Zion in the Old Testament represents the church. And in our lives, we go from strength to strength. We go from strength to strength. I remember Jack LaLanne when I was a kid. I would sit in, the, like I still do now. I watch exercise shows. I sit and watch. I'm very amused. I'll watch a half hour of an exercise show and just be, feel like I got something accomplished. I'm not kidding. I still do it. I still do it expecting to get results. And I watched Jack LaLanne. I thought, wow, man. He's showing how he could just do exercises and calisthenics with a chair and floor exercises without any 
you know, weights or is before rubber bands, I guess. And uh, I remember for his 70th birthday, he got 70 wooden boats and went out there by the Golden Gate Bridge. He lived up there by San Francisco. He tied them to himself, put on a wetsuit, and swam with a boat representing every year of his life. And then he got up into his 90s, and he was selling this juice juicer. Remember that? I, I think we've had five different models of juicers, including Jack LaLanne's. And Randy Travis was visiting him, and he said, man, you look really great, Jack. He goes, man, I can't die. It would be terrible advertising. <laughs> you got to love that, man. I feel that from people like Caleb. You know, on his 85th birthday, he said, as my strength was then, so my strength is now. Give me this mountain. Let me whoop on these giants in Hebron. And he did. He ran the giants out of Hebron. That's why when David came uh, generations later, they were all banished out of Hebron because Caleb had been there and brought a precedence. We're in a moment where we're bringing precedence. Did you know that? Well, we that get numbed out are actually going from faith to faith. We're going from glory to glory, and we're going from strength to strength. And I don't want the bad news of the world and the accuser of the brethren and just the twistedness of life to bog you down on these areas. Everybody say faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. Listen, we need to provoke one another to love and good deeds. I remember a guy named Paco at a pizzeria on Saturday night after school in Alta Loma, California. He picked a fight with me. You know how he picked a fight with me? He picked a fight with me by provoking me, by calling me names. He called me enough names to where finally I got up. I was fed up. I went out in the parking lot. I said, all right, man. And uh, he goes, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. I put up my dukes. And then he looked behind me and he went, nodded. I felt my arms pull back. He had a colleague behind me. He held my arms back. I wasn't much of a fighter. I didn't like that then. One thing I did right, though, was, uh, he, was he had me pinned to a car and I saw his fist coming. And I moved my head, and he hit the hood of the car. This was in the 70s when cars were really tough. He went, oh, and it ended the fight. That was my best blow. I didn't actually land a blow. I just did an evasive move with dodging him with my head. But I thought about that. And, when, you know, it's like most little high school skirmishes. We made up and became friends, and Paco and I were friends for the rest of our time in school. How weird is that? All the girls are going, you guys are weird. And I know, I agree, that was weird. But what I didn't forget was that he, he provoked me to action by calling me names. And the Bible says we're to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. So we've named some things. We've named some things of faith to faith. I'm going from faith to faith. See, Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. I was talking to a minister friend last week. And she's concerned about friends of hers that are saying, well, the Bible is good literature. And they're saying, you know, Adam and Eve, that was just sort of the beginning, but now we've evolved. And, and they're coming out with this natural rationale. She's very concerned that people are drifting from the faith. But you're not. You're going from faith to faith. Ardent, stalwart, your roots down deep, steadfast, immovable. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The word of God is inspired by God. It's profitable. It's always been there. It's good. It's forever settled in heaven. I'm going to bet my life on it. I'm going to stick with it through thick and thin all the way to my last breath and then out into eternity. Well, I don't know about God's. The glory days are over and the days of miracles are over. No, 
The God of miracles is undiminished and never changes. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never changes and his mercies never come to an end. And great is his faithfulness. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Father, the God, he said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, will not be consumed. He doesn't change. God doesn't change. Undiminished, still is powerful, still is vibrant, still is alive, never changes, transcends time and space, never gets depleted, sits in heaven and laughs. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He's full on, and even when he rested from his labors, it wasn't because he was tired. He was doing it to give us underscoring message that we need to rest from our labors. He didn't need, he wasn't exhausted. He just celebrated what had happened and he rested. God doesn't want us to be hyperactive, but he doesn't want us to be dumbed down and dull either. He wants us to stay in the faith. We're going from glory to glory. We look in the mirror of the word and we see the glory of God and the possibilities. We see the Old Testament. We see the New Testament church. We see them with signs and wonders following. We see Paul and the rugged issues of life and the boat wreck and all the whipped so many times and all the kinds of trouble. People yelling, greatest Diana of the Ephesians, trying to drown him out. People falsely accusing him, people betraying him. Uh, and he just, God, by the grace of God, God sustained him. Woo! Yeah. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Yeah. Saved from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Where are you coming from, faith? Where are you going to, faith? Where are you coming from, glory? What do you anticipate, glory? The glory that is to come. The glory in his presence. We're going from strength to strength. He gives power to the faint. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you putting a touch of your Holy Spirit on each person and whatever their situation whatever their deal I pray that demons would flee now I rebuke and resist every evil force every opponent to their faith to this glorious pathway they're on to whatever's trying to hold them back I break the power of the enemy any parasitic demonic thing every stronghold must break now in the name of Jesus every chain must break I receive broken chains in Jesus' name. I receive broken chains, all the chains breaking. I receive that. No bondages. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's no bondage, there's no oppression. There's only liberty. There's only liberating power in Jesus. Get a hold of every marriage struggle, every financial issue, every physical symptom, cover, do a healing supernatural God any adjustments anything that needs to happen in anybody's life Lord if there's anyone here who has drifted from their potential I pray they would just rouse themselves and be stirred up I pray they'd be stirred up by way of reminder tonight God I pray people facing interesting job challenges God you would give them a supernatural boost Lord supernatural wisdom and I just pray a special anointing for work how many of you have jobs raise both hands if you have jobs I pray that the anointing is on you for your superiors for you to speak into their lives as Daniel did with the Kings Nebuchadnezzar and Darius the anointing is on you that if anybody's around you trying to catch you in a technicality you're gonna glide past and overcome what you feel might be a lion's den moment God will deliver you and you'll garner the favor of the overseer 
and you'll be able to go way on when you'll look around and you won't be able to find those hasslers. They'll be gone, but you'll keep going and going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. All the parents, if you're a parent, raise your hands if you're a parent. God, I pray the touch of the Holy Spirit on every mom and dad. God, even if the kids are in their 40s, I pray we never stop being parents. We don't micromanage, we, don't, we no longer are in the same role, but yet we have a position of responsibility and to voice into their lives to some degree. And I pray a touch of anointing flowing into the parenting in this church, the anointing of the Holy Spirit on these moms and these dads. Special, glorious, faith-filled, strong unction of, of a tangible presence of God when they feel overwhelmed, when they don't quite know what to do, when they just get numb. Some of you go into a numb mode where you just lock up and, and just kind of focus on mid-range. That's what sometimes happens when you're overwhelmed. But I pray even when you're in that situation and you feel weak and numb and you don't know what to do, I believe God is gonna download a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, an impartation of supernatural insight that's gonna help the situation. And I come against the devil trying to hinder this. And I pray for major breakthrough on our children and our children's children. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Faithful, mighty God.